Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsnetwork.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now, here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And lots of exciting things are going on this week. Amazon announced a new wireless standard called Amazon Sidewalk. And Microsoft, of course, is coming out with all sorts of new devices. And uh, Microsoft, I have to say, is reinvented and refocused. And the Windows operating system is no longer the most important product for Microsoft. Whoever thought we would be saying that? And Iranian hackers are trying to break into the email accounts of our presidential candidates. Does that sound familiar? Sounds familiar. Yeah, that's going on. And then France is going to launch a nationwide face recognition national ID program. Uh, People aren't so happy about that, especially the privacy experts. This week, we're going to feature Evelyn Berezin, best known as designer of the first computer-driven word processor. And of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. Oops, hang on. There's a letter in your mailbox. There he is. We got an email from Joey in Ashburn, Virginia. Dear Tech Talk, I'm hoping you can provide some guidance. We've got a Western digital hard drive that failed. We got a new drive and attempted to clone it, but could not get it to work. Do you have a recommendation on where we should send it to retrieve the information? We have pictures also stored on it, and that's what we're worried about most, Joey and Ashburn. Well, Joey, did it completely fail or did it just fail to boot up? If it simply failed to boot up, you could put, you could take the drive out and you could put it in a USB uh, enclosure and and then you just plug it into the USB port of another computer, and then you could copy all the pictures uh, to the drive on that computer or to another drive or to USB. Failure to boot could be caused by corruption of the boot sector or one of the Windows executables, Um, and it may not indicate total hard drive failure. Now, if it is, uh, if you want to do a diagnostic on your hard drive, all the manufacturers have free diagnostic software that they release just to analyze their hard drives. Now, Western Digital, they've got the Western Digital Lifeguard Diagnostics for Windows Media Program. And you can go down, you can go to the Western Digital, just just search Western Digital Lifeguard Diagnostics. It'll take you right to the link. Now, there are a lot of places to download this program, but I recommend you go to the Western Digital site directly, wdc.com, because a lot of times you'll have these third-party sites that download it, and they'll, you'll get a lot of other stuff along with it. So I went directly to the Western Digital site to download it. You download it in the program. Now, you have to run it as, a, as administrator. 
So you right-click on the on the icon and say run as administrator, and you'll be able to do a quick test, an extended test. You'll be able to erase the hard drive if you know if that's something you want to do, and then you can view the test results. Now, if the failure is caused by the printed circuit board, you see the hard drive's got a platen, it's got a, a magnetic platen that spins around, and you've got heads that move over that platen to basically read and write information. Well, all of that process of moving the heads across the platen, all that's controlled by a printed circuit board. And, um, and, and you, you can either have failure in the magnetic media where you, you have bad sectors or uh, you got failure in the printed circuit board. Now, if you have a printed circuit board failure, you can actually replace that. You, you can go on the web, and there are companies that sell replacement printed circuit boards for, for all of the hard drives. You can find one that matches your particular hard drive. Now, here's the thing. On that printed circuit board is a read-only memory chip, a ROM chip, and that stores all of the initialization data on your hard drive. So you're going to have to take the ROM chip from your current printed circuit board and put it into the new circuit board. Now, some of the companies that sell these uh, printed circuit boards for hard drives, you can send them the old one and they'll move the ROM chip over there for you because... You, uh, you solder it in place, and a lot of people don't know how to solder on a printed circuit board without doing damage. Well, so it's not easy. It's, it's not, tiny, it, tiny, it's, it's not it's, it's not easy, and so you, it, you might want to select that. If you, if you don't swap the ROM uh, and you bring up the hard drive, it will think it's a brand-new hard drive and, and, and hasn't ever been formatted because when you format it, you're writing data to the ROM, and it gives all the registration data for that particular formatting. So you've got to swap the ROM. Now, if you're uneasy with, about working with a hard drive, you can send it to a, re, a data recovery firm. So the, a, a really good one close to you, let's see, you're in Ashburn, is uh, Kroll On Track. K-R-O-L-L dash On Track is an excellent firm. Uh, we've used them in the past at Stratford University. They do commercial data recovery, but they also do personal data recovery as well. Now, they've got a location of rest done. They've got one at Tyson's Corner. You can mail in your hard drive or you can drop it off. Now, they'll analyze the hard drive for free and provide a report with likelihood of recovery of data and tell you what the cost will be. Their website is www.ontrack.com. So you can take it in there. And so for home data recovery, they'll tell you that the cost of recovery is going to be between $400 and $1,200. It's expensive. and But they'll tell you the cost before they... Uh, before they do anything, and then they will recover your data and copy it either to another hard drive or to a thumb drive and give it, get it back to you. Now, one final note. You should have had a backup. Now, having valuable pictures on a hard drive without a backup is really not best practice. Now, what I do, I use a cloud backup service like Carbonite. It backs up everything on my laptop as I write it. Like that one time that my laptop got run over, um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't lose a single file, even though the entire hard drive was destroyed because everything had been backed up backed up in real time. It wasn't uh, your fault. No, it wasn't my fault. Of course, no, no. Nah, no. Somebody in the household drove off with the with my laptop on the top of the trunk, and. And I found Why it. Why was I found, the laptop on the trunk, though? Uh, well, that I don't. That I, might be your problem. It could be the problem, but I never. But I, I never. But I'm never wrong. 
So I've noticed. Yes, I'm never wrong. Now you could also now, but that carbonite costs around ninety nine dollars a year or so for that. that. I love it because I back it up everywhere. Because I take my laptop all around. I'm always backing up whenever I get new documents. Mm-hmm. Now you could also get a USB hard drive and, and back up to it. They're very cheap. A hundred bucks you can get a you know a couple terabyte hard drive. And you can either back up just your files, and you can automate that backup of your files. Windows has backup automated backup built into it. Or you can do a complete disk image. And, and disk image is supported by Windows 10, which you have, um, which you have, which you have, and it will just it will give a complete disk image of your hard drive. Now that means if your hard drive crashes, you can actually just restore the disk image, and everything's restored. Applications, my, Microsoft Windows, everything is restored. Uh, in addition to the files. Um, so you you really need to get that backup going. Well, listen, Joey, best of luck, and I hope you get that data and get your pictures back. We got an email from Sue in Kilmarnock. Dear Tech Talk, I've got several email accounts. Would I like to find a way to view them all, to view all the unread emails uh, in one directory? Is there a simple way to accomplish this? I hate going back and forth with all these emails. I'm currently running Windows 10 on my laptop, and I check... Email from work, which is an exchange server. I've got a Gmail. I've got a Yahoo account. I've got an AOL account, which is a legacy Verizon account. What are my best options? Stu in Kilmarnock. Well, Stu, you can use the Outlook mail client on your laptop. A significant advantage of using Outlook on your computer is that you have multiple email accounts in one place. You can handle multiple accounts from all the providers, Microsoft, Gmail, Yahoo, pretty much any other provider you can think of. If you want to add an account to Outlook, you just you just you can you can just you just click on add account and you put in your email address, your password, and it figures out in most cases what the outgoing mail server is and the incoming mail server is. In most cases. Um, they don't do it very well on the Yahoo account. I mean on the AOL account. So the automatic setup for the AOL account doesn't work. So you have to go to the AOL website and look for mail servers, and they'll tell you exactly how to specify the mail servers for the AOL account. Now, because the inbox is one of the core mail folders, you can't rename it. Instead, Outlook automatically names the email, adds the name of the email account to the inbox folder for your in your favorite section, so you can always see all your inboxes. Now, if you want to see all the emails in one folder. You can't you can't combine the folder, but there is something in Outlook that says view mail in all mailboxes. And it in that look, it puts all the mailboxes together. So in one location, you can look at all of your email, and uh, you don't have to go back and forth. It's pretty pretty convenient. That that Outlook uh, mail client is really nice. I use it on my computer. We got an email from Tom in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Dear Tech Doc, I've got a a touchpad on my Windows 10 laptop. It is annoying because I keep moving the cursor inadvertently and over-typing stuff that I've just typed. Is there a way I can disable this device? I've been trying to find a switch but can't locate anything. Please help. Tom in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, Tom, many laptops laptops have shortcuts to disable the touchpad. However, the, the shortcuts vary laptop to laptop to laptop. The easiest way is just to simply disable the device driver. Now, what you want to do in your Windows 10 machine, you type device manager in the search field, and that'll bring up the device manager. You, you, and then and you click on the device manager that shows up. And then once the device manager comes up, you click on mice and other pointing devices, and that will open up a, uh, you know, a menu. 
And then you'll see under mice and other pointing devices, you'll see something called the touchpad. So simply highlight the touchpad, then right-click on the touchpad, and you'll be able to disable the device. You simply disable the device, and you're done. It won't work. Now, if you want to get it back again, you've just got to go back to the, to the device manager, and then you'll do the same thing, but then you will enable the device. So it's, it's pretty easy to get that done, to turn it off. I, I've got a touchpad on my laptop, and I hate it too because I'll be, doing, I'll be typing some – because I do the X, like I do the XML podcast file every Saturday, and I, I don't want to make any mistakes in it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll be typing it, and my thumb will hit the touchpad, and it will go down to another yeah. place in the file, and then I'll overwrite something. And it is just a pain. pain. in the neck. It is. Yeah. So, I've, I've, so actually, I've disabled my touchpad, and I'm just, I'm just much happier. <laughs> We got an email from Ron in Seattle, Washington. Dear Doc and Jim, I've heard that running two antivirus programs at once is not a good idea. It seems like it would be safer. What's your recommendation, Ron, in Seattle? Good question. Well, Ron, there are actually two kinds of anti-malware programs. One kind is like full-time, always running. It's always on, always looking at everything that's coming through. Antivirus programs such as AVG, Avest. Norton, they all they run continuously in the background and to protect your PC from threats on an ongoing basis. It's essential to have one of these programs running at all times if you use your computer to connect to the Internet. Now, the other type of anti-malware program is what they call on-demand. These are anti-malware programs that, are, that are, just run periodically. It's kind of a backup scanner to catch any nefarious code that might have slipped through the cracks of your regular full-time antivirus program. Now... The most popular on-demand anti-malware program, and I strongly recommend it, I use it, is the free version of Malware Bytes. Now, here's the thing. I have both Malware Bytes and I've got Avast, A-V-A-S-T, on my computer. So I run Avast as like full-time, all, always on, and a periodically I'll run Malware Bytes. Malware Bytes. You don't want to have two full-time antivirus programs running at the same time because they fight each other. They're always... They take a lot of they, they take a lot of um, of energy. They take a lot of clock cycles of your computer. They slow it down. So you just want to pick one full time, and then you periodically run your on demand one. You know, maybe once a week, just to see if anything slipped through. Now you can download a free version of Avast, and the installer will actually install a 14 day trial version of the full blown malware bytes. Now. The full-blown malware bytes is on all the time, so you want to disable the full-time and just just let it go. Or after the trial elapses, it just goes back to being an on-demand one. But that, but you've you've got those for free. So listen, I hope that answers your question there. And uh, you know, I would not run two at the same time. Good question, Ron. Back to Stu for a second. I know uh-huh. he said he's got an AOL Legacy Verizon account. I was yeah. talking to a friend yesterday whose 85-year-old mother has an AOL Gold account. Whoa. You know what an AOL Gold account is? That, is. is that dial-up? <laughs> it costs $5 a month. Oh, my goodness. So we were just laughing about the fact that, you know, you could have a Gmail account, which is probably, despite all of the things we know about Google, yeah. the best email account to That's have. Right. Because you got the the, 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 the spam uh, folder right. and everything in there. And, 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 but she won't get rid of the AOL Gold account because... Her friends won't be able to find her. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> she can't change her email address. But you five bucks a month for email. Can't. I wonder if she can downgrade it to a free one. Why not? I thought AOL was gone. No, AOL is still around. I mean, she might be able to download it to a free. I don't think she's – I don't think that's going to happen. 
It's not. It's just too. It's too much. It's too. It's just too much. It's too, it's just too complicated. Yeah. We got an email from uh, Mike in Maryland. Hello, classroom of the airways. As a senior citizen, I'm having health concerns. I want my family to be able to know where I am at any time. Using my cell phone is probably the best device. Can you give me uh, a few suggestions of the top three phone tracker apps? I'm looking for a free app. What's the advantage of paying for this service? Thanks, Mike from Maryland. Well, Mike, you got several options so long as you have your phone with you. You can do family location on the iPhone, which is, which is pretty good. It, it tracks your location using your iCloud credentials. It's not automated. You go to settings, you click on name, click on family location sharing, and you share your location. So your, so your, your family can just go to the, um, to the family sharing section and they can see where you are at any one time. Now, it won't, they, they can locate you, but, but it won't, there's no geofencing. There are no notes or anything like that. They can just do it. It's on demand. Now, there's another app that's pretty good called Follow Me, M-E-E, GPS Tracker. It converts your iPhone or iPad into a GPS tracking device. You install this app on the device that you want to track, and you can monitor its whereabouts with the followme.com website. Now, you can view the last known location for free. It also includes, with some pretty good, geofencing, location reporting, location sharing, and other tracking services, so, and it's got an SOS panic button. If you press the panic button in the app, it will send a text message with your GPS location to whoever you want to be notified, and it will also send a, uh, send a text message. Now, the basic service is not bad. It's $5.99 a month because you've got all these other reporting options. And I, when I was looking around, that's got both the free option as well as the paid option. So I think Follow Me GPS Tracker is a pretty good application. Then you've also got uh, the... Phone tracker for iPhone. It's used to locate another smartphone, um, you know, held by your family members. The locate iPhone user just checks movement, and it will it will give you where you've been in the last 24 hours. You can track two iPhones for free, and you can locate your friends with it. But I'm thinking this Follow Me GPS tracker is probably your best option. Listen, we love your emails. Do Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard every Saturday, of course, on Federal News Radio. Part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2. And now, Doc, in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. More of Tech Talk Radio in just a minute. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford 
Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Evelyn Berezin. She's best known as designer of the first computer-driven word processor. Berezin was born in the East Bronx, April 12, 1925, to Jewish immigrants from the Russian Empire. She attended the Christopher Columbus High School in New York. Now, she started university at Hunter College in January of 1941. Now, see, back then, they had a very clear idea of what women should do and should not do. So she studied economics because that was the preferred subject for women. It wasn't math and science back then. No, she wanted physics, but they Mm -hmm. said, come on, come on, you're a woman. Economics is what you want. So she studied economics, but she uh, wasn't happy with it. Then after World War II started, uh, she got a scholarship from NYU and New York University. and, uh, And after the war started, they said, hey, we need more technical people, even if they are women. So she switched to physics on with her NYU scholarship, and she went to the university at night, and she received her Bachelor of Physics uh, in 1946. Then she began doing graduate work at New York University with a fellowship from the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. But she didn't, she didn't finish her doctorate. In '51, she accepted a job with the Electronic Computer Corporation, and began as the head of the logic design compartment. Berezin was the only person doing logic design for computers that were developed by ECC. In 1957, ECC was purchased by the Underwood Typewriter Company. Wow. You ever okay. Have an Underwood Typewriter? Under yeah. Uh, I wish I still had mine. Yeah, that's worth. Uh, they're probably a worth a money. lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, she. While she was working for Underwood, they were trying to get actually, you know, they said, you know, this this mechanical typewriter could could be, you know, dated. We better get into something more advanced. So while she worked for Underwood, she designed a number of general purpose computers that were really for specific applications. Like she developed one computer system for the U.S. Army for range calculations. She developed another computer for a publisher, and they used it to control the distribution of magazines. And then she also made the first computer that was designed specifically for the office. In 1957, the Underwood Tele- Typewriter Company said, well, we're not really able to continue all this computer stuff. You know, <laughs> We don't know whether it's going to go anywhere. Nah, so, no future um, in that. So they ended that. Then, so then Berezin went to Teleregister. It was a division of Western Union. And... Um, and at just around that time, around 57, the transistors had just come out. And so they were making computerized systems with transistors. That, would, that dramatically reduced the, the, the size of the systems. And when she was at Teleregister, Berezin developed a computerized reservation system for United Airlines back in 57. 
I mean, she was really right at the cutting edge of this stuff. And she was able to control reservations in six for 60 cities, and it had a one-second response wow. time. So it was That's a shared impressive. computer system. Yeah, she was. Then as a follow-on, she developed the, the first computerized banking system. I mean, can you imagine, that, you know, she, she was a pioneer, and they didn't want her to get into this field because she was a woman. You know, I've sort of tried to feature women that have broken down barriers over the last right. few weeks because there are some interesting stories. In 68, Berezin had an idea. She said, why can't there be a word processor instead of using a typewriter? Why don't we just use a computer and you type in that? So in 1969, she founded her own company, Redactron Corporation. <laughs> now, I don't know, name. you know, Evelyn, you are not good at naming companies. Redactron. I don't know. I kind of like it. It sounds urgent. You know? Yeah, but but don't but it sounds but you 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 type something and then if you want to redact it, I mean it it, it seems like a a failed word processing project. True. Redactron. Now the company's name pro, main product <laughs> instead of a word processor. It was called the Data Secretary. <laughs> the Data Secretary. It had no screen. It was the size of a refrigerator, and it used an IBM Selectrix typewriter as its keyboard and as its printer. Nice. Size of a refrigerator. That's pocket size. size, of a, size Carry of a, that around with you. Size of a refrigerator. So you got this big refrigerator sitting beside this IBM Selectrix typewriter. Now... Um, Redactron was not really a super commercial success, although she did produce a lot of systems. So the company was sold to the Burroughs Corporation in 1976. So they were around as a standalone company for about eight years. And Burroughs integrated it into its office equipment division. And Berezin stayed with Burroughs until 1979. In 1980, she served as president of the Greenhouse Management Company. It was a gen and she was a general partner of a venture capital group dedicated to early stage high tech companies. So she kind of moved into the sort of the VC world. Mm -hmm. Throughout her career, she received an honorary she received honorary doctorates from Adelphi University and Eastern Michigan University. She went on to serve on the boards of Cigna, Standard Microsystems, Coppers, and Data Point. She established the Berezin Wellness Endowment. Wellness was the name of her husband which will give the value of her state to fund either a chair or professorship or research at, uh, at, uh, at Stony, uh, Stony Brook University. Berezin was married for 51 years to Israel Wellnitz, Wellnitz, a chemical engineer born in London. Berezin died, uh, Evelyn Berezin died December 8, uh, 2018 at the age of 93. So there you go, Evelyn Berezin. She was the one who created the first computer-driven word processor, which was called the Data Secretary. There you go. Okay. Hope you're paying attention because your knowledge just imparted by, uh, by Dr. Schertz could land you free lunch. Stand by for the pop quiz here on Tech Talk Radio. Heard every Saturday on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, 104.5 FM in Loudoun County. And you can watch us produce this mess by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're excited for this pop quiz, so just sit down. Yeah, well, you know, they're grinding popcorn uh, in the carpet no, again, so that's us right. Well, it. no, popcorn goes with a pop quiz, Jim. It, oh, Think okay. about that. Think about that. I thought it was just the cheapest snack available. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. They both start with pop. Ah, okay. So here's the thing. Yes. This is not simply a radio show. No. This is a classroom of the airways, and right. we have to assess whether you have been listening, and we do that with a pop quiz. If you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get tickets to find dining at one of our dining rooms, and you will also get an A-plus for today's show. And if you don't, is it, there a consequence? No. You drive to people's homes and No, if you, if you get the wrong answer, you get an F for today's show, and you do not get any fine dining tickets. Okay. All right. That is really the deal. All right, go ahead and ask the question. Early in the show, I talked about Evelyn Berezin, best known as designer of the first computer-driven word processor. What was the name of that word processing system? If you know the answer to today's question, don't be shy. Pick up your phone. Give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. Calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877 877- 936-9333. If you're doing data entry on your Underwood typewriter in Canada, call us on the WildGuard line, 877-936-9333. Anyone else anywhere else may call us on the usually out-of-service international line, 877-9-3639-333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's talk about the deal of the week okay now this is the comcast internet essentials i just you know i just ran across this they recently expanded their reduced rate internet essentials program and it includes a special rate for military veterans okay and that's the deal this plan offers 15 megabit per second broadband internet for just 9.95 a month including a wi-fi router at no additional charge if 
you are a military veteran. That is a deal. That's a good deal. Nine ninety five a month. So you guys that are cutting the cord, you can get fifty megabit per second internet right to your house, and then you can do all you all use all these streaming devices and uh, and have you know total. Uh, Total total entertainment for only nine ninety five per month, plus the cost of streaming devices. Now, this program does not include Comcast cable TV or landline telephone. It's just the internet connection, but it's a great option for military code cutters. Now, the police raided a company that was running out of a former NATO bunker. Now, the German official shut down a criminal web hosting service that was operating out of this NATO bunker. They tracked down a Dutch guy who bought the bunker back in Germany in 2013. It turns out they had all these NATO bunkers around that weren't used, so the government started selling to the people. So this guy bought one, and he set up then a bulletproof web hosting service, and they were doing all sorts of illicit marketing for weed, for synthetic drugs, for hacking tools. They also reported linked to a hosting service they were linked to a host to a hosting service that was running a botnet account on the Deutsche Telekom, and so a lot of major botnets were hosted out of this particular uh, NATO <laughs> bunker. Now, the Associated Press reports that seven people were arrested in a restaurant near Frankfurt in connection with this investigation. It also included raids stretched across the Netherlands, Poland, and Luxembourg. Another six people are under investigation, according to the report. Bulletproof hosting services, like the one run out of a bunker, cater to criminals who want to outsource the work of of hiding their digital activity. About that. All okay. right. Guess what? We've got somebody who'd like to play the pop quiz. Oh, Let's go very to good. line numero uno and say good morning to Dan in Middleburg, Virginia. Dan, good morning. Are you there? Yes. Good morning. Hello, good- Dan. Good morning, Dr. Jones, ask the question, Earlier in the show, I talked about Evelyn Berezin, best known as designer of the first computer-driven word processor. What was the name of that word processing system? The data secretary. Correct. There we Woo-hoo. go. We got an answer, a winner. And hang on a second, Dan. We're going to send you back over to Andrew, who's going to take your information, and we'll send that prize right out to you. It's Saturday morning. This is Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, and in Loudoun County, 104.5 FM. Watch us do the program, download the Periscope app to your device, and follow us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford 
Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. Google turned 21. Can you imagine? 21 years they've been around. Now, this uh, popular search engine has become an important part of the Internet. Mm -hmm. It's the most Google's website is the most visited website on the Internet. It's even one that searched more time. It's even searched the one of the most searched items, even on Microsoft's Bing search engine. People are searching for Google, and it's the number one search item even on Bing. It's Google, Google. Yeah, that's right. Now, Google was started by two college students, Larry Page and Sergey Brin. They wanted to create a website that would rank pages based on how many other pages linked back to them. And this this ranking based on backlinks was very innovative back then and hard to calculate. So that's funny. And it didn't really start so that people could find stuff. That wasn't the idea. Well, see what what up up to up to that point, uh, people you you would do a search, and the search would be based on what sort of stuff people wrote in the website. And so there was mm-hmm. all sorts of misleading things that people would put in the meta tags and on the website that really weren't really weren't valid. And there was no way for the search engines to differentiate between truth and BS on, on the website. But <laughs> And but, so has that and changed? So, well, no. see, Google, no, Google said, look, if a lot of people are linking to this site, backlinking to the site, it means that more people must respect it. So like if you have a site that nobody links to it, and you compare it to a site that, say, a thousand people are linking to it because mm-hmm. there's material on it that's worth note that's notable. Then they're saying the site with the most backlinks should be rated the highest. And at that time, that was an excellent way to really rate sites. Now, I mean, now since then, people have found ways around that. They now have link farms where you can go, you can go to a link farm and you, and you can buy backlinks. So now people are trying to, to scam outsmart Google, it. outsmart mm-hmm. Google, and now they, now they have all sorts of other algorithms that are designed to look for the link farms and, and try to see how they beat it. But it started out as really an innovative way to rank websites. Before that, you had Yahoo, where the websites were ranked uh, by people. Mm-hmm. People would actually rank. It was, it was actually— It was subjective. It was subjective. They were doing it, and that— and, what is it? Uh, Yahoo was like yet another something. It's, it's, oh, it was what Yahoo act- stood for? Yeah. It sounds like time for me to it do was, some research. It was okay. yet another. Uh, uh, Hang on. It, it's it's an acronym. So they started this thing, and now the word Google, the name Google, G-O-O-G, it comes from, from the term Google, G-O-O-G-O-L, G-O-O-G-O-L, right. it, which is the uh, an, the number one Followed by a hundred zeros. That's a Google. Yet another hierarchical, officious oracle. There you go. That's what Yahoo stood for. I knew. I knew the yet another, and I, yet another hierarchical. Yet another hierarchical, officious oracle. Officious, Say that fast. Officious oracle. 
You know, I, I sort of know why people don't remember that anymore. You know, so now, so now, so now, if you're at a, uh, you know, if you're at a cocktail party, say, do you know what a Google is? G O O G O L. It's the number one followed by hundred zeros. You'll be, you will be the star at that uh, at that uh, cocktail party. I mean, and, I, I go to cocktail parties with all these kind of and facts. You clear the room out every time. I clear. You go. The, I sit mm-hmm. in the corner by myself. You know, but you know, I'm I'm and trying. I'm trying to bring that under control. But that means. <laughs> All of the finger sandwiches are yours That's after the room is empty. Exactly. No, though, no, people just pick up the platters and take it to the next room. So you're sitting in an empty room yeah, I'm by sitting, yourself. I'm sitting in an empty room, yeah. Now, the first ever Google Doodle, this is on the Google homepage where they do, where they do you know, graphics to mark important events, was the celebration of the 1998 Burning Man Festival. The founders There's wanted, something I'm never going to go to. The people wanted, the founders wanted people to know that they were out of the office, you know, because, you know... You know, the founders of, you know, because Sir Larry Page and Sergey Brin, they go to the Burning Man Festival and just just have fun. The Google's <laughs> the Google right. headquarter is known as the Googleplex, and mm-hmm. it's in Silicon Valley. The Googleplex is, at, at as you enter the Googleplex, there's a giant statue of a T-Rex dinosaur. This sounds like a giant geek fest. Yeah, there's a giant statue of a T-Rex dinosaur, which is covered in... In flamingos. Wow. Rumor has it that this is a reminder to Google employees not to allow the company to ever go extinct. God, <laughs> come on now. I don't, I don't know if that's true. Crazy. Google first announced its email service known as Gmail on April Fool's Day of 2004. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that, but I do remember. You know, the, you had to be invited to have a Google account initially, That's right. and I and you were so kind as to invite me, and That's that got right. me off my AOL Gold, so I didn't have to pay five dollars yeah. a month for internet or for email anymore. That, I mean, back there, yeah, you 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 actually, I remember that first Gmail. You you had to be invited by somebody at the company initially. So how did you get invited? So I I I went to a uh, because our culinary department was making. Uh, this was when the locusts were out, and they, they were making they were making chocolate <laughs> after the locusts. Co- no, they they were making chocolate covered locusts oh, as yes. appetizers, as appetizers. Perfect. And so and, and, and so I went on the uh, I went on I went on the, the a Google chat site somewhere, and I said, if anybody would give me a a Google account, I will send them one dozen of our finest chocolate covered locusts. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> So, and that's how you and so, got. And, and so I got an email, and he said, and so I got an invite, and I and then I I packaged these chocolate covered locusts up. I put a little ice in them, keep them cool, ship them <laughs> off, ship them off overnight to uh, to to my new bud at to Google. But then once I had an account, I could invite other people. So then I did, I invited you. And you were kind enough. I mean, we had just that's, met. We hardly knew each other, and uh, there you are making me, the big relationship step of giving me a Gmail a Gmail account. Yeah. So YouTube wow. became part of the Google family, as they say, in 2006. It was bought for 1.5 billion dollars at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, YouTube has almost 2 billion monthly users, and more than 400 hours of video are uploaded every minute. Think about that. 400 it's hours crazy. of video uploaded every minute. The Internet was broken by a programmer at Google in 2009 where they accidentally added a slash to Google's blocked website registry. Now... That backslash is in near is in nearly every website that's created. So it turned out that when he said he put in a command that said if there's a backslash or a forward slash in the web address, block it. Since there's a forward slash in every web address, 
every website was blocked until they discovered that this guy had made that mistake back in 2009. You notice they didn't say who did it, and you wonder whether he's still there. So there Probably you go. Not. Everything you want to know about Google is now 21 years old. There you go. Let's take a break. It's Saturday morning. <laughs> this is Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FMHT2, 1039 FMHT2. And now, we just found this out. Probably been going on for a while. We're in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. And you can watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. Let's talk about Amazon Sidewalk. Now, that's the new wireless standard that they propose. It's, it's interesting, and if they can get a lot of device makers to embrace it, it may be the new Internet of Things wireless standard. Hmm. At their annual hardware event, the Amazon revealed a new wireless standard for the Internet of Things to smart, uh, and smart home devices. They call it Sidewalk. Sidewalk is a new standard that Amazon hopes will link together all of these devices. Instead of using Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, 5G, and many other standards, now, the problem with existing standards is the question of range, complexity, and power usage. Most of the current wireless standards don't broadcast very far. They'll just broadcast, say, in your house, but you can't take them anywhere else. So uh, this particular standard relies on the 900 megahertz frequency. Now, this is a, this is a frequency band that, that, that propagates quite well through the atmosphere. I mean, it's, uh, it, it propagates much better than Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. In addition... In addition, they will form mesh networks so they can link devices together to extend the range. So basically, you won't have to have Wi-Fi and and uh, and Bluetooth, and it'll all be the same thing rolled into one. Th well, one... no, this this will be in addition to Wi-Fi. Oh. Wi-Fi and Bluetooth have their own mesh, have their own purpose. So, so what I'm getting at is you can't do everything just with sidewalk. No, no, no. You can't okay. do everything with sidewalk. Okay, you might be Sorry. familiar with the 900 megahertz spectrum. This is what we used to have on cordless phones. Yes. 
amateur radios, walkie-talkies, all operated at 900 megahertz. So walkie-talkies have a pretty good range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. So what, what they do, so they're, they're going to use the 900 megahertz uh, spectral band for this. And, uh, and this is a, it's a repurposing of that unlicensed spectrum. Now, what is interesting, they'll form a mesh network, which extends the range even further. So, for instance, they, they did an experiment, and they, they put out 700 nodes of the, uh, of the sidewalk, and, and they just let employees take it home, put it in their house. And it turned out that because all these 700 nodes linked together in one giant mesh network, those 700 nodes alone covered almost all the Los Angeles basin area. So you could go anywhere, and you could be close enough to a 900 megahertz transmitter that it, that it would uh, that it would that it would work. So here's here's for instance an example. Suppose you have a pet tracker. Okay, and, and the pet gets away, right? And the pet gets away, and you just have a little fob on him. Now, now if you were going to try to have a, like a whole GPS tracking on him, it would take a lot of power. Yeah, would be expensive. He'd have a car battery hanging off. Yeah, and so, but this, but what they do is that this, they've got this little fob is connected to 900 megahertz, and so they could track it, and they could tell where he is by virtue of which node he's connected to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you, and so you would get a notification, and so you, could, you, so you could track your devices, and so this thing, if if a lot of developers, like for instance, if it, well, let's take an example. Let's say Amazon Echo. If I take my Amazon Echo device, I go out in the backyard. I don't have Wi-Fi access. Right. But if Amazon would put a 900 megahertz transmitter in it for sidewalk, mm-hmm. then I could I, I could have a long-range connection. and I could. And so it's, it's a long-range device. So it's totally different than Bluetooth. Yeah. This, so, you're, you're, so basically what happens is now all of you, if you want to use sidewalk, your Bluetooth device is obsolete. You yeah. got to get a new device. See, you see, the Bluetooth operates at 2.4 gigahertz. Right. That's gigahertz, and this is megahertz. This is very low frequency. Mm-hmm. It's a very low frequency, so it's got long. It travels better. It better. travels a long distance. So and so, if they get broad adoption, and uh, all these companies began putting 900 megahertz transmitters inside of their devices, and, and they form a mesh network, so that means you. You, you, you know, I mean, so I could take my, I could take my Amazon maybe to my, you know, a block away, and it could it's, connect yeah. to, it connect to, uh, say, a 900 megahertz transmitter in my neighbor's house, but, and then it would be, and it would be relayed back to my house through the mesh network. But this means that all this junk that I bought, that's Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, you got to get rid of and get stuff that's got no, the side. No, 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 because this is lower bandwidth. So but it doesn't. But but do it's, these it's, devices? It's, it's it's longer range. I get that. But lower bandwidth. I understand. But the devices that we now have won't work with this. No, they won't work with That's that. What but I'm but, see, but see, Wi-Fi is more for high bandwidth, short range connection. Mm-hmm. Bluetooth is sort of for ultra ultra, and Bluetooth is also two point four gigahertz. So this is actually a kind of a good idea, I think. But it's 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 for applications that re, that would be for low bandwidth. So you you wouldn't want to take and say, watch video over a 900 megahertz, yeah, strength because it, it doesn't have enough bandwidth. Right. But you could probably use Amazon Echo just for music because that's fairly fairly low bandwidth. But the thing that's innovative is this mesh network, which means that all of these devices, all these Internet of Things devices, all linked together into some giant network 
that collectively give you a huge advantage. So for things like the dog collar, uh-huh. this is a good idea. It's it's really a good idea. Or or you you could put a fob in a in your suitcase and you could track you lost it. Wash your suitcase and you could track it with, 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 with sidewalk. Right. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. track it with sidewalk. Or you know, or somebody steals your suitcase and you and you've got sidewalk, they they can more or less tell where it's located. Right. And it's very very low bandwidth. So I think this is a good idea, but but. It only makes sense if a lot of people use it. It, True. It it gets its power through usage. So Amazon is going to release the software development kit next year. They call it the SDK. And theoretically, then, any manufacturer that includes a 900 megahertz radio in its product can use this SDK, software development kit, to add sidewalk compatibility to their device. So this would be really – I mean, this would be great for security stuff like – uh, for uh, vehicle theft and yeah. and uh, like a your biker is anything like that that could be it is I, I think off. it's I think it's a clever idea yeah. so I thought I would just talk about it it's not out there yet it's, and it's going to take a, a lot of adoption to make it work but it's pretty interesting now let's talk a little bit about Microsoft Microsoft has been under Satya Nadella has been reinvented and refocused. Now, nothing is more like – listen, this is a quote from Sat, Satya Nadella. He's the CEO at Microsoft. He replaced Steve Ballmer, who was very bombastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his quote. The operating system is no longer the most important layer for us. In other words, Windows is now a sidebar at Microsoft. Now, if you think back on the Steve Ballmer days, Windows was everything. That was that was a state. They were using that to control applications. They had all the interface to Windows. They were using it as their sort of their to, a way to control their monopoly. But Microsoft is now coming with all. They had a big hardware day. They they released a lot of Surface devices, new hardware. Discussing, they've they, they've got a dual screen device. They've got a a single screen device, and they're they're releasing a lot of stuff. And they. What Nadella is saying, he says, the most important thing for us is the application model, the app model, and the experience. It's a, how are people going to write apps for the hardware? has a lot more to do with uh, sort of the environment for writing the apps and the feeling of what people get. So now what Microsoft wants to do is they want to go to an app model that will access any device – whether it's a Google device, an Android device, uh, an Apple device, and it could be a, a Microsoft device, and everything through that linkage, through that app linkage, goes to what they call Microsoft Graph. Now, Microsoft Graph is a, is, a, is a collection of APIs, application programming interfaces, that connect to the Microsoft Cloud service. Now you see the message. Yes. The cloud is the future, right. and they're mm-hmm. trying to get every device out there, whether it's an Android device, an Apple device, to use, a, their, cloud. To use their cloud. Yep. And they want to be agnostic. If you can imagine, Microsoft is releasing – remember, we, the, the, the Windows phone was, was a total failure. Mm-hmm. Microsoft has released a new phone, but it's Android. Ah. Think about that. It's yeah. an Android phone. Because they want to sell more Android operating systems because built in, they're working with Google to build in connection to Microsoft Graph APIs through Android, and they want to get deep integration within Android. This is a completely, completely different shift. Now, Microsoft has turned to Google to Google to get access to the Play Store, you know, through their new Android device. And they're also working with Google on the dual screen device that, they're, that they just, you know, were, were, were showing. So this not Satya Nadella, he's really 
rethought everything. Nadella envisions an app model that spans experiences across devices. Now, if Google partnerships done correctly, we'll see better Google apps on Windows. We'll see Microsoft allowing Windows 10 users to search on Google from the Windows search bar. It's about time that Google and Microsoft offered the best solutions for their mutual customers. I, I actually loved reading this. I, I think they are right on the money, and they are highly innovative. I'm yeah. really happy with them. Now, Google has announced a tech training initiative. It's interesting. Pichai is, is the CEO, Sundar Pichai, is said, well done. Yeah, thank you very much. He's from <laughs> India. He's from India. They've announced plans to provide 250,000 training opportunities for Americans over the next five years. This was at a roundtable down in Dallas, Texas, and uh, and uh, Sundar announced that Google will sign Pledge to American Workers, a White House initiative that calls on employers to expand education program for workers. As part of the commitment, Pichai said the company will provide 200. 50,000 training opportunities over the next five years. Google already has a national skills training program called Go with Google that provides resources to learn various on, on, uh, online skills. I mean, Google is really getting into education because they, they need, more tech, you know, need more tech support. They need more people with, with technical backgrounds. Now, here we go again, the Iranian hackers. Mm-hmm. Iranian hackers have targeted the presidential campaigns. Microsoft disclosed that the Iranian state-sponsored hackers have tried to hack into email accounts belonging to current and former U.S. officials and members of the 2020 presidential campaign. The attack took place over a 30-day period between August and September. Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center linked the attacks to a group called Phosphorus. (laughs) Phosphorus has been linked to Iran. The group first made 2,700 probes to identify consumer email accounts belonging to specific Microsoft customers. Once the group had a list of high-value targets, it went to 241 of those accounts, which were super high-value. And then they this is how they breached the account. They actually found out what the secondary email account was. You know, when you reset the password, it sends out a, a reset to a secondary email they found out the secondary email account that was registered with Microsoft, and then they took over the secondary email account. Once they had taken over the secondary email account, they went to the Microsoft account, and they reset the password. So they didn't actually hack the Microsoft account. They reset the account, and then it went back to the secondary email account, which was easier to hack, and then they reset the Microsoft password, and they took over the account. Now, Microsoft monitored this. And it turned out that four accounts had actually been hacked, and they restored those accounts and notified the users. And they recommended that they use the Microsoft Account Guard to protect their accounts in the future. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And go to the Stratford University website, www.stratford.edu. Check out the programs and tell them you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.